Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of the Unstoppable Leader podcast. Today's episode is with Bob Berg. The American Management Association named Bob one of the 30 most influential leaders, and he was named one of the top 200 most influential authors in the world by Richtopia. Bob has written several books that have collectively sold over 2 million copies, but my personal favorite is this little red book called The Go-Giver. The Go-Giver was a Wall Street Journal and Business Week bestseller and has sold over 950,000 copies. We talk about the five laws of stratospheric success and we delve into two of the tricky ones, which is the law of authenticity and the law of receptivity. We talk about how to be authentic and how you can be receptive to receiving with no attachment. I hope you get a lot out of this because there were so many gems that Bob shared. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to the Unstoppable Leader podcast with your host, Maria Patisetti. And with me today, I have another unstoppable leader, one of my favorites, Bob Berg. Now, let me give you a bit of background about Bob. So the American Management Association named Bob one of the 30 most influential leaders, and he was named one of the top 200 most influential authors by Richtopia. Now, Bob had, has written several books that collectively sold over two, have sold over 2 million copies. But his book, the one that is my personal favorite, is The Go-Giver. And that book was a Wall Street and Business Week bestseller and has sold over 950,000 copies and changed many lives, including the way I personally work and do business. So welcome, Bob. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you, Maria. What a great, great introduction. Very kind of you. Honored <laughs> to be with you today. Oh, it, 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 I call it my little red book, and I have gifted that book to several people, Bog. Wow, <laughs> several, several people. Now, as I was saying earlier, I have read so much about you ever since I I got that book and read it, and and how it and it, as I said, it's changed the way we do business. But can you tell me a little bit about how Bob came to write that book, and a little bit about you, Bob, if that's okay? Sure. Well, I, I actually began my professional career as a broadcaster, first on radio doing sports and then in television news. Um, eventually, I, I had worked my way up to the late night news anchorship of a, a very small network affiliate in the Midwestern United States. So I was still very much in the minor leagues of, of broadcasting. Uh, and I really wasn't particularly good at it. And so uh, after a while, I, I kind of realized that was not going to be my future. And I, I like to say I graduated into sales. <laughs> and so as I began in sales, um, I had no training. I, I really had no understanding of any kind of professional sales. And the company where I started, um, their training was, we'll, we'll say negligible, negligible at best. It was really non-existent. And so I was on my own and I floundered terribly for about three months or so. Uh, one day I was in a bookstore and happened to see a couple of books on selling. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal these days, but this was 40 or so years ago. And back then, you really didn't see that all too, all too often. Um, there were a few out there, but none that I knew about. I didn't even know sales books or how to sell. I didn't even know that was a thing. I had no training. And um, so I got those books. One was by Zig Ziglar. One was by Tom Hopkins, two very, very legendary sales teachers, sales trainers. And 
I studied the books at night after work. And I mean, I studied into the wee hours of the morning. I would read and highlight and practice and uh, take notes and dog ear the pages and do all that, you know, and I just immersed myself in it. And really within about three weeks, there was a very big difference in my sales. Wow. And that was encouraging to me wow. because it said, you know, if there's a, a way, if there's a methodology already invented, then you don't have to try and reinvent the world or invent the wheel because the wheel's already been invented and you don't even have to reinvent it. You just have to learn it from someone else who's done it. Absolutely. And so that was very um, encouraging to me. And, you know, to this day, I, and, and I call it following a system, okay? And I, I personally define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. In other words, the key being predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A, and eventually you'll get the desired result of B. So that was really, that was a breakthrough for me. Yeah. So I started really studying sales. And as part of studying sales, I was studying personal development, yes. right? Because really success begins on the inside. It begins with what we feed ourselves, the books and the audios and the videos and those who we have around us and all that, right? And we take in all these success principles and we, we build ourselves on the inside. Success then manifests itself outwardly. Mm -hmm. So it was something I was really enjoying. And eventually I worked my way up to sales manager of a different company, started showing others what was working for me and uh, eventually just kind of built a speaking business. Uh, and of course I learned how to do that when I joined the National Speakers Association and started studying from people who had successfully built their speaking businesses. So I emulated what, what they were doing. And when I say following a system or emulating what someone else has done, I don't mean you just blindly copy, that's not it, but you tap into the principles and the methodology. And so long as what someone teaches is congruent with your value system, then by all means, find out who's doing it and do basically the same thing to get similar results. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, to be honest, that's how I came about buying your book. Um, I, I'm an avid reader. I have read Zig Ziglar's work. I have read, I, I think I've read so many books. I, I don't know. I mean, I look at the library in your background and go, wow, I, I think I need a bigger one because I've got well, no, piles we, we, and well, boxes. First of all, I'm a lot older than you are. So I've had a lot longer to, to you know, put my uh, library together. But I also bet that we've read a lot of the same books because a lot of the, the books that are you know, the, 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 whether it's the how to win friends and influence people yes. or the think and grow rich or the magic of thinking big or the, you know, the, there's certain books that are just that everyone should just, everyone in business, everyone in sales, I think everyone in life yes. should, should have because they're just such wonderful mind and heart enhancing books. Oh, beautiful. I mean, and I agree with you too, Bob, because you talk about it's an inside job. I mean, your success is a reflection of your internals. And again, I, I will come to the, the definition of success like we spoke about earlier too, because it's, it's just changing for everybody. And right now with everything that's happening, it's certainly being looked at. But I have to say, your book, um, it really struck a chord with me because as I had shared previously, Bob, I mean, I, I love selling. That's what I do. But I think it's about 
I mean, the values that you go through in your book and the, and the laws that you go through were really congruent with my personal values because sales is not about doing a sleazy sale job, but it's about giving value. So it really struck a chord, and which is why I gifted it to that many people, because I really think success should come as a result of exactly what you say, giving enormous value and then scaling that. Now, your laws, the five laws of stratospheric success, amazing so simple that Thank book you. is so easy to read i think i just sat there and i didn't get up at all i just read it i did not want to well, get up because the story was beautiful well thank you i and i i give credit to john david mann my co-author uh, for yes. that because he's a he's a great writer he's a brilliant storyteller i'm a, i'm a how-to person i'm step one <laughs> step two step three yeah and uh and john though can just has a way with words and to be able to so you know without him it wouldn't have been the story that it was Absolutely credit to him too. I mean, the story of Joe, I mean, if you're, if a salesperson picks that book up, they could probably see lots of Joe in them. Uh, we've all been Joe. That's why we named him Joe. You know, in the yes. States, Joe is like, you know, the average Joe. That's like, yes. so we've all been Joe or Josephine at yes. one time in our lives. And in certain ways we still are, you know, but back then, when, usually when we begin a career, when we're, you know, probably in our twenties and sometimes even a little more, uh, we're Joe or we're Josephine. And we don't, you know, we, we may have a, a whole lot of good attributes, but there are some things missing maybe that we're not aware of. And Absolutely. that's sort of where we went with the book that he was introduced to people and the, you know, the main mentor Pindar, who then introduced him to others who all were able to kind of give him a little bit of a piece of the pie yes. so he could put it together and see what was, what really needed to be done. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to say for our, for our audience and our listeners is this, right? So this isn't for me actually a sales book because technically that's not what I was trained in. I'm an engineer by trade and I had to build a business and, and I had to become a salesperson. And, but, but this book for me is, is a book of how to live life because you don't have to be a salesperson to actually follow those success, the laws, because even if you're a person, you could be a young person at school. And I think these laws still apply. It's it's the way you should live life rather than about anything about sales. I don't think yeah, I we don't actually think. have schools that use the book, which we're, oh, we're just amazing. So very, very happy. I think lots of young people need to get their hands on this one too. It would Thank be a great you. gift to give uh, kids at school. Now, Thank some you. of the laws, I'm going to leave the first three out because I think that they're almost self-explanatory. Although I recommend people read your book because it's, it's just such a beautiful story to read. And Thank like you. you said, John's done a fantastic job writing it. Yeah. But the, the two laws that are probably a little bit more tricky um, for, for the average Joe is, is the, the law of authenticity. And the second one is receptivity. But I'm going to go to the law of authenticity. A lot of people ask me that question, Bob. I mean, I appreciate you're authentic, but how, how does one become authentic? So could you talk to that, Bob? Yeah, so so let's kind of do a, a deeper dive into that because it's very it's very important as you as you say. The law of authenticity says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Deborah, who was the mentor in that part of the story, she shared a lesson she learned very early in her business career. And that is that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills as important as they all are, and they are all very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, and we'll talk about what that is, but, mm. but when you do, when you do come at it from your authentic core, um, people feel good about you. People feel 
comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. Uh, and why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. And as human beings, we have a deep desire, and this is very built in and goes in the reasons go back to the cave person days when every day was, was survival. And you had to know what your, your environment, the clues in your environment had to mean the same thing. They had to be consistent day after day, after week, after week, after month, after right? And yeah. so when someone knows who they're, when they know who you are and that you show up the same way because that's who you are, they feel much more comfortable with you. They, they want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They're much more likely to do business with you. They're much more likely to feel very comfortable referring you to others. So we could look at authenticity, again, as simply being your core self. Uh, I always loved what, what Gandhi was credited as saying, and I don't know that he did necessarily say this or not, but it sounds very Gandhi-ish because it's very <laughs> wise, and of course he was very wise, and it's when he talked about integrity being when, uh, you know, what you think and what you feel and what you say and what you do are congruent. Yes. And, and so that really is what authenticity is. It is ourself, but, let's, but I still want to go deeper with it. Thank you. Yeah. Because, you know, you'd say, well, then if, if being authentic, if authenticity is such a good way not only to live life, but conduct business, which it is, why do some people not show up authentically? Okay. Mm -hmm. And we might think, well, they're not honest or they're trying to pull one over on us or they're trying, you know, it's a big world. There are lots of people. So we always have to understand that's a possibility, but that's not usually what it is. I'll say 99.999% of the time, okay, when someone doesn't come across authentic, it's really because they don't have the self-confidence mm. to do so, okay? Let's face it. It's hard to show up authentic authentically when you don't feel you have anything worthy of mm. being authentic for, okay? Okay. It's not recognizing, it's not embracing your value. I think as human beings, we, are, we have two types of value. We have intrinsic value. That's simply by just being, we bring value to the table. Hmm. But we also have what I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow you to bring value to others, to the marketplace in such a way that you'll be financially rewarded for it. Now, we all have these, what we could call um, assets of value, okay? Different people have, have, have different things. Uh, some people are good at this. Some people are good at that. Some people are natural connectors. Some are just great listeners. Some have an ability to communicate in a way that people understand. Uh, other people are very kind. Some people are great with numbers. Some people, I mean, there's all sorts of talents and traits and strengths we have. But what happens is it's difficult for us to recognize them in ourselves. Why? Because we're human beings. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, we're so emotionally close to ourselves. And we remember as human beings, we tend to see the world through our, our own set of beliefs are what I call our unconscious operating system. And this is based on, you know, upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, everything, but, but pretty much formed when we're very young in which we see the world 
through a very specific and particular lens. Mm -hmm. And we often see our truths, but they're not the truths, <laughs> right? Yes. Because we see, we see a thing, right, from yes. our own viewpoint. But as human beings, we tend to think that others understand the world or see the world the same way we do, which is certainly simply isn't true. So you can have a, a certain talent or a trait where it really adds great value, but you don't value it because you think, well, everyone else can do that too. Mm. Because again, that's all you know. It's, yes. it's, so it's what you think. And so that's, that leads to underpricing ourselves, selling ourselves short, not not thinking we haven't so as a result we try to be someone that we're that we're not yeah. okay so it's important two things one is to understand your strengths but we also have to understand our weaknesses okay um i think there were three types of weaknesses yeah. and again i bring this up only so we can really go into authenticity and understanding ourselves because remember you know human nature it, to me, is the most important thing for anyone to study. Because who do we deal with all our lives? Other humans. Yes. So understanding human nature is just vitally important. I'm always reading books on human nature, anything that helps me understand people better. But we also have to understand ourselves. Yeah. And this is where strengths and weaknesses come in. And one of them is being able to understand our weaknesses. And acknowledge them. And that's where the ego comes in. We need to be able to get past that ego identification and be able to see where we need work or where we have weaknesses. Now, I believe there are three types of weaknesses. There are the, the types of weaknesses we can simply ignore. There are those that we can ignore. For example, uh, you know, personally, uh, I don't run long distances well, okay? Mm -hmm. But because I'm 62 and a half years old with absolutely no desire to run a marathon, I ignore that one. It makes no difference in my life. It doesn't harm me. It doesn't harm anyone else. Okay. Yeah. Now, then there are the weaknesses we need to mitigate. Let me give you two examples of that. Uh, both uh, I'll use myself. One is um, I don't like to exercise and I love eating junk food. Okay. <laughs> So, but that, I can't do that, obviously, because you do that too much. And what happens? It's very unhealthy. You can't be effective if you live, you know what I'm saying? So I have to mitigate that. So I hired a trainer years ago. She comes in five mornings a week to work me out. She also prepares my meals at the beginning of the day, healthy meals that all I have to do is heat up. Okay. I, I don't keep cookies and candy in the house. Why? Because I will eat them if they're there. Now, that doesn't mean I never eat cookies or candy, but it means I have to work to do it. I have to get into the car. I have to drive to the store. I have to pit. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I've created an environment where I could mitigate that weakness. I'm not by any means a health food or, you know, a health um, fanatic. And I mean yes. fanatic in a good way in this point, yes. but I've mitigated that. Now, another challenge that I have, uh, weakness I had to mitigate was I'm not naturally good with numbers. Hmm. Okay. Well, when you're running a business that can be harmful. So I had to learn enough hmm. that the people who I farm out, you know, uh, work to that have to do with numbers and bookkeeping. And I kind I know enough to know, you know, to be able to know what they're doing. Okay, so again, I'm, no one will ever accuse me of being a numbers whiz, yes. but I know enough about it, I mitigate it. 
Okay, so there are the, the, the weaknesses that we, that we um, can ignore, the ones we mitigate. Then there are the ones that we need to turn into strengths. Mm. Okay, now let's bring this back to authenticity. But Bob, if I'm being authentic, shouldn't I just be as I am? Yeah. That's not what authenticity is. That's not what, authenticity isn't, this is just the way I am, take it or leave it. Now, you can do that if you don't care about having healthy relationships and personally or having a successful business. But assuming you like both of those, that's not a productive way to be. You know, so it's like the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to change, that wouldn't be authentic. Uh, that's baloney. That's malarkey. That's nonsense. What it means is this person has an authentic problem that they need to authentically work on in order to authentically improve themselves and become an authentically higher, more effective version of themselves. So often that, and that's taking a weakness such as those anger issues, turning it into a strength. Yeah. And we've got to decide what weaknesses we have that can be ignored, can be mitigated, or actually need to be turned into a strength. If someone is a gossiper and that's just what they do and they think, well, that's just authentically me, then work on yourself. Hmm. Because gossip is one of the most destructive habits and characteristics there are. And I can say firsthand because I used to do that. Hmm. And at one point, and this is 20 or so years ago, I learned how harmful that was and, and how really it did no good. It only destroyed and it. And I made, I took that trait, that weakness, and I turned it into a strength. And there are people who will say, Bob, I've never heard you say a negative thing about anyone. Now, I don't know if that's totally true, but it's close to it. Okay, I turned a weakness into a strength. I can say I'm authentically a person who speaks positively about others. But I made that change. We can do that. We're human beings. Yes. Okay, so authenticity should never be used as an excuse to stay where we are. It should be used as an impetus to get to where we want to be. Love it. Absolutely love it. So that's, that's one of the best practical definitions of authenticity that I've heard because a lot of people ask that question. It, it's so hard because everybody sure. throws that word around, Bob. Mm -hmm. it's, become, it's become the thing to be, but people right. don't know how to be. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tricky one. So the next law that I wanted to talk about is the law of receptivity. And I know that comes about because your first three laws talk about giving, which is why mm -hmm. I love the go-giving thing, right? <laughs> I almost see it as paying it forward. I know go-giver is, is not quite meant with that, that in mind, but I think it's a combination of lots of things. And, and as I said, it doesn't just apply to sales, but it applies to life. And, and what we're talking about in terms of authenticity actually applies not just in the business context, but in personal relationships. So if you're, in the, sure. if you're looking for your soulmate, I think a lot of these laws apply too. Oh, yeah. Well, well, that's, <laughs> that's also one reason why we had the subplot in there about Joe and his wife, Susan. Because even though it's a business book and it's a business publisher that we did it through, uh, we wanted to kind of make the point that success principles yes. work across the board, uh, whether we're talking about financial, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational, and probably a dozen others I'm forgetting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, a, a, a universal law is a universal law. It's a principle. Well, absolutely. So your first few laws are all about giving enormous value. 
and then right. being compensated for it and, and all of sure. those things. So I guess to put that into context, that's why you came up with that final one, which is the law sure. of receptivity. So that's also a tough one. So yeah, the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. So really, it means it, it means nothing more than understanding, Maria, that yeah, you breathe out hmm. and you breathe in. Yes. It's not one or the other. We breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving, giving of value to others. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Now, the world around us, which gives us so, so many horrible, negative messages when mm. it comes to prosperity, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to money, when it comes to, I mean, but when it comes to business, I mean, the, 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 oh my gosh. Yes. And we get these all the time from everywhere. Despite what the world tells us, yeah. giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. It's not a matter of are you a giver or a receiver. No, you're a giver and a receiver. But what you understand is that the way the world works is that the giving of value, the giving must come first. Okay, uh, you give value, you bring value to the lives of others, and the and you create that benevolent context for success. And the money comes in. You've got to be willing to receive it. But when you think about it, you know, um, money is simply an echo of value. Mm. Nothing more, nothing less. Money is an echo of value. Love Which that means one, Bob. The value comes first. That's why the first three laws are about giving value, right? The mm. first three laws about so the giving comes first, right? You focus on the, mm. and then you now here's the key: you allow the receiving. How do you allow that? Because you know, some sometimes there's two things that I have with that questions. One is you tell people that you have to give without expectation. So that's the first thing. So, so if you're giving, then you're going, and then this is where sometimes- Can I, can I suggest do. one thing though there? Yeah, please do. A lot of people say that you give without expectation. And I, and I know what they mean. They mean yes. you don't give with an expectation. You've got to do that. Absolutely, of course. But I say yes. it a little differently because I kind of want good expectation. I always expect good things. So I, yeah. I kind of don't want to speak that- don't expect. Okay, I expect good things to happen. It doesn't mean it's going to be from that person or from that person. But I just, here's what I say. Mm. I say give without attachment. Love it. Okay. Because, yeah, we can expect good things. We can want good. We can prefer good things. Mm. So long as we're not attached, emotionally attached to the result. So regardless of, of whether the result that we desire or would choose or prefer comes in, that does not disrupt our happiness. That does not disrupt our peace of mind. That does not disrupt our joy, which allows us to give from a place of prosperity yes. instead of lack, which tends to create that benevolent context. Yeah. You know? So yeah. so that's me. And so again, I don't mean to to correct that's just that's just my No, no, I love it because see, if I'm saying that, I know a lot of our listeners will be saying exactly the same thing because it's so confusing. People say, give, give value, and your life will work. And then, and, but for those 
who don't have much, especially right now, people who are struggling and they go, why do I have to give? Because I'm struggling. I could barely, barely, you know, pay my bills and can't do this and can't do that. I've just lost my job. Well, that's job. realizing that when we say give, that doesn't mean you have to give money to someone. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I bring that up, Bob, because people, <laughs> people, people are just confused, right? There are so many cliche mm -hmm. statements out there, Bob. Well, that's uh, you, you hit it right on the head. There's so many statements that have a ring of truth to them, but yes. they're not complete. No, and they don't tell you how, which is why they I'm asking you. And they because, don't tell you how, exactly. Like, be authentic. How? Give okay, without yeah, expectation. Exactly. No, it's give without yeah. attachment. It's, how do you know that you're ready to be receptive, and how do you know that, and how do you be prepared to be receptive? Well, it's first, and that's such a great question, because remember, we live in a world that tells us receiving is wrong it makes you evil it makes you horrible if you have a successful business you did it on the backs of others and you did this and you know now again there are people in the world who do things we don't like and who do bad things but yeah. by and large and i guarantee everyone who's, who's watching this or listening to this we all live in a situation where no one is forced to buy from us mm. right the only way they're gonna buy from us is because we have been able to successfully focus on them. Yes. On their needs, on their wants, on their desires, uh, discovering what they want, need, and desire, and helping them to get it. Okay. Mm. When we've done that and given them what they have wanted, and, and that's what sales is, you receive. Okay. Mm. The focus was on the giving, but then you receive but you've got to be open to it. But you know, if no, if, if, no, if, if no one's forced to buy from you and they're doing it because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so, you have earned that mm. money. You've earned that prosperity. But remember, when, when all your life through movies and TV and school and maybe family and maybe friends and social circle that said, oh, if you're, you know, if you have money, you're not honest. Or if you're, you know, all these horrible, horrible messages, mm -hmm. that's on an unconscious level. Yes. Okay. We can sit here all day and logically talk about, yes, well, you've given wonderful value. You've earned the right to receive. So let yourself receive. And that's great. But if there's something holding you back and that what's holding you back is always unconscious, yes. then it's first becoming aware of that. Yeah. And then, and I would say study, proactively study prosperity. Mm. There are people who, you know, people like Randy Gage, mm. David Nagel, Ellen Rogan, um, uh, Sharon Lecter, Bob Proctor. And I know you have a lot of people uh, uh, in Australia who, who do that as well. And, and about prosperity, Zealand. Bob? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and even yeah. prosperity and, and mindset too, right? Yeah. And mindset, but that's always part of it. In yes. fact, all the great prosperity teachers hmm. will talk about the mind. Yeah, absolutely. And the unconscious. And yeah. I, because it's all about that. Hmm. Because it's our unconscious that prosperity is a natural state of mind. Yeah. Okay. It's the unconscious and all the horrible messages that have been put in from the outside that, that keeps us from, from living. Hmm. In that prosperity and i was just thinking everything that you're just saying bob sorry to stop you i just want to draw no, no, parallels because no, no, i want you to keep going but i was just thinking i want the listeners to realize that whilst we're talking about business and wealth this could easily relate to attracting relationships oh, sure, personal absolutely. relationships mm -hmm. and having your your home life and your personal life work in harmony so what you're talking about in terms of being receptive it's about receptive to receiving great relationships and receiving love from your 
life partner mm-hmm. or soulmate, or just being yeah. receptive to finding that person. So sorry, keep yeah. going, Bob, but I just hey, wanted to- No, 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 you're right on the mark. And I mean, start with the little things. If you find that when someone gives you a compliment, yeah. you know, are you able to say, oh, thank you so much, or thank you, I appreciate that. Or do you go, oh, no, 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 you know, yeah. right? Or, or someone, you know, a friend offers to pay for the coffee or the tea. Do you allow them to do it? Just say, oh, thank you so much. Yes. Or do you say, oh, no, I can't let you do it. Well, start asking yourself questions. Mm. Why? And I'm, I don't mean that in, a, in any kind of insulting. We just start no, checking your premises. Ask yourself, where does that come from? Yeah. What would be wrong with allowing yeah. that compliment or yeah. allowing that person to pay for this? Or when yeah. you're watching the television news and you yes. hear about and you hear someone say, I don't know if they say this where you are, but up here, you know, you have yeah. a lot of people saying, oh, millionaires should not be allowed to exist. Yeah. You know, why? For creating value for others that people have willingly bought and paid. Now, if it's a matter of collusion with government where they have special favor, that's cronyism. That's not free market capitalism. That's cronyism. They know that they should be in jail for doing that. That's not. But no, if someone has created a business or sold a certain product or done a certain thing that others uh, have willingly bought because they felt it would, would improve their lives and they've made millions of dollars from selling this, great. Not only have they earned that, but they provide lots of jobs for others where those people are able to then buy things for their family and support others. Who, you know, So at, start asking. So when you hear someone say, oh, the rich should not be, just ask yourself the question, why? Hmm. Where, where did that person learn that from? Uh, why do they say that? Hmm. How, who did the person they learned it from? Where did they learn it from? What is behind that? What economic principle says that's a fact? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Start questioning but the big thing is start choosing some speakers or 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 authors or teachers whatever you know again randy gage i think is great uh david nagel's wonderful i think ellen rogan wonderful uh Mm -hmm. sharon lecter and and many people but but just start reading their blogs listening to some of their podcasts watching their videos and make a study of prosperity because remember, all that horrible negative garbage comes in to our heads naturally from all around us. Mm-hmm. So we have to proactively put the good stuff in there about prosperity. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to ask you a couple of final questions, Bob. So first one, given the current economic environment and, and the craziness that's happening all over the world thanks to COVID, what would be a, uh, maybe one thing that you could say to our audience um, I know you've got a law, uh, five laws of success, but what would be the most relevant thing that you could say to them that would be of practical value and that they could practice so that life works for them, Bob? Well, I'd say the main thing we can do is first understand that successful people deal in truths, okay? They, they, don't, they don't just ignore truths because they're inconvenient. Okay? Yeah. They, they, they doesn't mean they have to be happy about them, but they acknowledge them. We know because of COVID, there are certain things we cannot do, okay? But there are many things we can do. So while we acknowledge the truth of the situation and we have to acknowledge what we can't do, we don't focus on what we can't do. We focus on what we can do. And the big thing is, how do I right now find, based on what I have to work with, find ways to add value to the marketplace? Yeah. And of course, that always depends upon who you are and what you do that to answer. Mm-hmm. But that's where you want to go. That's where you want to start. 
Absolutely. And the final question, I could keep asking you lots of questions, well, but I know we have to wrap up. <laughs> but, but the final question, a lot of people nowadays are talking about two words that have become popular. And I'm very happy that this is being spoken about. And those two words are happiness and kindness. They say that kindness is the new currency. And, and, and I'm just so over the moon that that's being spoken about. What is your take on those two things? Well, I mean, I think kindness has always been something that's, that's you know, it, it gets brought up where, you know, with social media now, there can be memes that whether they're, they're graphics or just sayings that can pick up very easily. Uh, I think kindness has always been very much in fashion. Yes. I think by and large, people would rather be around kind people than unkind people. Yes. That, you know, so no, I think that's always been a thing. And I think that it's being brought out more wonderful. Mm. Uh, and then your other one was what? Happiness. Happiness. Well, happiness is really the key because as yeah. human beings, we, um, we all seek happiness. Now, remember, we always have to define terms because mm. otherwise we can all be saying, you know, we can all, we 10 of us can, can unconsciously define happiness in different ways. Okay. Yeah. Now the dictionary definition of happiness is the mental feeling of well-being. Wow. Now, this is what we strive for as mm. human beings, okay? Mm. Everything we do is in order to attain a state of happiness, that mental feeling of well-being. Now, different people understand happiness differently, of course. What may, brings happiness to one person may mean nothing or even be negative to someone else, but we all yeah. seek our own happiness based on how we understand it and within the choices we have to make because there are limitations in terms of time, energy, money, knowledge, you know, so we're always making decisions, but everything we do, and I learned this from the great Harry Brown, everything we do as human beings is designed to bring us closer to happiness. Now, I define happiness a little bit differently. I just take it a little deeper, okay? And, I, and, and let me share this with you. Yeah. I believe that happiness, when it comes right down to it, is an ongoing feeling of joy and peace of mind, the result of living congruently with one's value. Okay, so an ongoing feeling of joy and peace of mind. Now that doesn't mean we always feel good. The fact is life happens and there are tragedies and there are horrible things. And that doesn't mean to be happy, doesn't mean we're always in a state of ecstasy or joy. That's not no. what we're talking about. Okay. It's a genuine and ongoing general feeling of well-being and peace of mind. And then the other part is the result of living congruently with one's values. I love it. And it's not necessarily what we say is of value to us, but it's what really is of value to us. And if you're not acting congruently with that, you can't be happy. Yeah. Because you're torn in, in, in sure, absolutely. absolutely torn, <laughs> which is why I'm in thinking of, of all, I, I, I honestly, I'll say it again. I don't see Go-Giver as a sales book. I, I think it's just a really, really good um, manual for life. Oh, wow. Thank <laughs> you. So thank you so much, Bob. Now I have to ask if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? I mean, first thing is I have to tell the audience, please go and get the book whatever version it is, go and read it. It's an easy read. It's a quick read. And I promise you that if you pick it up, because it's, 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 it's a story that's being told, it's so easy to read and it just registers so much easier. And Joe is just wonderful character. And I love, of course, <laughs> the, the main character, <laughs> the chairman. 
the gym. And so how did they get hold of you and how did they get in touch with you, Bob? Uh, best way would just be to go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. Yeah. And if they yeah. scroll down, they can go to where they can... Um, they can get a chapter or excerpt of any of the four books in the Go-Giver series. Three of them are parables. And there's also a lot of just other resources, videos and different types of things right at the uh, website itself. So they can go to berg.com and just sort of hang around and have fun. Absolutely. And you've got a podcast too, haven't you, Bob? Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I put it on hold for about nine months, 10 yes. months, and we're yep. going to start it up again. Fantastic. Perfect time to start. Because I think your message, all of these laws right now wow. are pretty powerful. I think I, so I think much. you can give value no matter where you are sitting from your house, Bob. <laughs> so, well, so You one, are a joy and a delight. And I, I so just appreciate being on your, your podcast and uh, all the, the very nice and kind things you've said. Yeah. <laughs> I only say it if it's truthful, Bob. <laughs> it has to come from my heart. Otherwise, it's not authenticity, uh, right? That's so, right, exactly. <laughs> So the book did make a difference and, I, and I've gifted it. And, and it's just reminded me, I think I'm going to buy a whole lot of them and gift it to quite a few people who are special and who need it right now. So thank you once again. And I really, really appreciate you being with us and sharing all of your wealth of knowledge with our audience. Thank you so much, Bob. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for tuning into the Unstoppable Leader podcast with me, your host, Maria Pettisetti. And if I may ask you for a favor, please drop me a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. I'd love your feedback and love to hear what you think. And if you want to stay up to date with me and the business that I'm in, then please check out my LinkedIn page, Maria Padicetti, or our website, theunstoppableleader.com. That is theunstoppableleader.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable.